Welcome to your Thursday episode of Radio Rehab. If you're just joining us for the first time, we have a daily show now where there's a guest host and for the entire week, this week's guest host is Colleen O, who works a lot with trauma, PTSD, and somatic experience. Today we're going to be talking about her car accident. There was something that caused her a lot of physical injury and trauma in her life, and we're going to learn how she stays sober through all of that. Check it out. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome back to Radio Rehab. We are joined in studio again by Colleen and producer Char. You know, it's funny. I keep saying that we're in studio, but actually we're on location in Sonoma with Colleen um, who does massage and body therapy. So we are in her office um, because I thought it would give you trauma to have to drive to San Francisco to do a show. And then turns out you were there to see a doctor. So, um, okay. So today we're going to talk about... Um, the major trauma that you experienced. Um, we've already talked about there was a rape that happened, so there was sexual trauma that happened. And then um, I want to talk about, tell me the car accident story. Okay, well, that was 1984. Um, and from what I know about trauma now, is like you can have, it's called complex trauma, complex PTSD. You can have stacks of things. And it's like, someone's everybody's nervous system can can handle a certain amount of stuff and still be okay and then when too many things happen it like it's almost like you sort of have kind of a nervous breakdown but sort of a small one any anyway so um i was living i was working in pennsylvania at my first really good corporate job and I, i used to run and that was another thing that i used to do to uh manage my anxiety was run six or eight miles a day uh, so that's another addiction people can have is wow. exercise. Yeah. But I would do that. And, you know, days like I would, that's when I was still bulimic. I would run eight miles and eat 800 and, and, and keep down 800 calories. So that was like my, that was like my formula anyway. But I would, I would, I would work until like five thirty, and then I would go run for an hour and then I would come back and then I would work like three more hours again. Cause I lived in Jersey and I was working in Philadelphia. So I was running one night. Um, in an industrial park, and I had full-on reflective gear, and I got hit by a drunk off-duty police officer. It was a cop? It was a cop who was too drunk to know he hit me. He was off-duty, so I got no money. Oh, know? my God. That, Wait, That was crazy. November 1984. So I was uh, in a coma for two days, two and a half days. I was in the hospital for something like four or five weeks. I had a really, really bad head injury. Nothing broke. I used to be a gym rat, so I was, like, super buff. Right. Um, so no bones or, you know, I got some scrapes and things like that, so nothing really broke. But you had a head injury. I had a really bad head injury, and my um, worst symptom was vertigo. Like, I didn't, my everything, I was really dizzy. So allopathic medicine said there was nothing wrong with me. I went to this one-year doctor. What is allopathic medicine? Allopathic is, like, Western medicine. Okay, so... Oh, so, oh, I didn't even know that we had a pathic. So Western medicine is allopathic and the other kind is homeopathic? No, it's, people say it's alternative medicine, but I hate that because acupuncture and massage have been around for thousands and thousands of years. Surgery and drugs have been around for a couple of years. Yeah, Medi-Cal even covers that. So, so that's why I say allopathic medicine versus alternative medicine. But, you know, like regular doctors and hospitals and, you know, those are, those are, those are the kind of things you, you need for a lot of things, but they fall short in a lot of, in a lot of ways. So 
So anyway, um, got in the car accident, healed, healed from the car accident, thought that, um, I was okay, but I, I wasn't, I didn't realize I was medicating myself with coffee, taking a lot of aspirin, drinking a lot of coffee. And how did I, um, I ended up having three ear surgeries to fix the vertigo. It didn't fix the vertigo. I didn't know what to do. And, um, the last time I went to the ear surgeon, surgeon, he was, uh, saying that he thought I should get brain surgery to sever the nerves in my brain to stop the vertigo. They put, they put you under observation. And if you still have vertigo after six months, they sever the nerves. And so I freaked out cause I've always been into health stuff. I freaked out. I was hysterical. My aunt worked for a chiropractor in the same medical building. And so I went down to see her cause I couldn't drive. I was hysterical. This guy, Scott Chlorphane, he's a chiropractor in New Jersey. And he sat me down with a cup of herbal tea and said, well, you know, I don't know anything about ears, but maybe there's something wrong with your spine. And I'm like, you guys are quacks, Prevention Magazine, you know, I'm a scientist, you know, fuck that shit. <laughs> right. Anyway, but, but, but I didn't want to have brain surgery, right? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't, that seems so, a little scary. So I went back to see him and x-rays, sure enough, my, my, my neck was all screwed up. My hips were all screwed up. So I started going to see the chiropractor. And then I also started, I had a friend who was in massage school. So together, those two things healed my physical body. And so that's why I ended up going into massage. But to rewind as with the drinking stuff is I was in sales. I lived alone and I would have nightmares. I would wake up screaming and having all these horrible nightmares, which is what flashbacks, which is what you have in PTSD. So I would wake up having nightmares. And so I'd have a drink or two to go back to sleep. So right. I just wake up having nightmares, have a drink. So I think that's when I started to use alcohol to medicate myself. Because a lot of us, I mean, I know I, I drank in the beginning when I first started, you know, drinking what was to sleep, was to shut my head exactly. up so I could just, you know, get some relief and go to sleep. Like it wasn't to get drunk. It wasn't to yeah, party. Exactly. It was, not, it was None just of that. so I could go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, and that was also because of trauma. But so you're saying, um you that like that's when you started drinking that's when the alcohol got because you were you were telling me the other day you that um the reason people addicts and alcoholics drink and use is because they have trauma and a lot of self medicate a lot of them there's a study called the ace study adverse childhood experience that kaiser did and i don't know the exact details but you can look it up online and it was like a 17 year study and it was average middle class people people who could afford kaiser you know not not bottom of the barrel kind of people and kaiser proved that underlying all the major diseases is nervous system dysregulation the off and on switch not working properly and that happens from trauma most of the time so that's that's a huge finding and that study the national center for disease control took it over because it's just deemed as it's it's like these new findings in medicine of like holy shit you know, this is a thing that nobody, nobody ever, nobody ever looks at. It's like, what's the under, what's the underlying cause of diabetes? When I have a nightmare and I wake up, my blood sugar is 190. You know, my blood sugar is normally, normally in the 90s. And so if you take someone who's, who's had a lot of trauma and violence in their history and they're scared all the time, you know. Their blood sugar will actually Your blood go sugar up? goes up. Yeah. That's under, that's what a lot of people think is underlying diabetes because when your fight or flight kicks in, your system pumps all the glucose into your blood so that you have sugar so you can run from the tiger. Like if you go back to like caveman days or where we came from, it's like I got to get away from the tiger so my body is mobilizing everything so all my sugar is being secreted secreted into my bloodstream. 
So I take my blood sugar because it can tend to be a bit high, you know, drank a lot and, you know, scared, you know, my, my system, like I got scared in that car accident. There's part of my body that got scared that never got unscared. And, and that was on top of, you know, the rape that I had forgotten about that I told you about. And Mm -hmm. then I had a really hard childhood for a couple of years on the inside. Like I said, not on the outside, nobody from the outside would know, but, but emotional abuse and right. cold parents and cold mom. My dad, my dad was good, but, um, you know, that, so, so that's, like I said, how things can stack up. And I don't think I was born an alcoholic, but I think I became one. From that's interesting because there are people. Stuff. Yeah. There are people who I feel like they became alcoholics and it's almost like they trained themselves to be alcoholics. When it's like, then there's other ones of us who it's like we were born alcoholics. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. we just had alcoholic behavior yeah. as like a one-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and I mean, someone like you, who your history of, you know, your first dad dying when you're not even born. I mean, how, yeah. I mean, the cortisol that must have been pumping through your mom's body at the time. You know, I mean, the dissociation, you know, I mean, I had a conversation with her when I first started studying SE, you know, because I was always... Which is somatic experience for those of you listening. So go ahead and Google it. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, um, so I, so I, I was always fascinated about some of that stuff. And I remember when I started learning this stuff, I was talking to her about dissociation and how, like you have always said, my mom's not there for me. She's not there for Mm -hmm. me. And, you know, I know your mom, she's one of my best friends and she's like, she loves you so much. She's done every fucking thing anyone could possibly do for a kid. Right. And, 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 but I always felt like she hated me. But you always felt like she wouldn't do anything. But when I started learning about trauma, I'm like, that makes total sense. Because, like, your husband gets killed in a car accident, I mean, in a plane accident when you're 24, like, what do you do? And and talking to her, she said to me, I remember when I got the death certificate, how she just floated away. And for someone to have gone through a trauma like that, there is no way she could really be present for you as a mom all the time because of what just happened to her. Yeah. Like, it takes the sh- takes time to metabolize the shock and stuff. And then you also being in the womb when that whole thing happened... You know, all, I don't know the biochemistry of what happens when something like that happens, but that's not a healthy thing for a kid. Yeah. And it's like I told you, like you always bring up when you first talked to me about heroin, I said it was I wanted to go back in the womb. I remember the yeah. first time I gave you a massage. I didn't know what it meant at the time, but now I totally understand. I think heroin and alcohol are more calming kind of drugs yeah i like those like i i you know have tried meth and oh my god i wanted to come out of my skin like if you give me a gun i would blow my head off to make it stop i would do anything i'm looking for any drug any drink anything to just make that stop yeah but yeah it's the downer types that i really or the sideways when you're doing you know both at the same time yeah anything to not be in my my own skin exactly and it's like when people say i don't feel comfortable in my own skin it's like when there's this trauma running in your body you're not comfortable you're not comfortable in there and you just want to get out of your skin and and you don't know what it is and i know i mean i'm 58 now nobody had any kind of context for any of this stuff back then about it at all um and so, yeah, so heroin, I never did heroin, thank God, um, because I probably would have liked it. Yeah, I know. I think there's a book. I think I had a therapist who told me there's a book called Heroin is So Good That You Should Never Try It. I actually had, when I was in Asia with that guy that I told you, Rick, Dr. Detroit, wherever you are, he... So, Dr. Detroit, isn't that Dan Aykroyd? What are we talking about now? Rick, Rick, the guy that I, the guy that I went to Asia with that I met at the Dan yeah. Hillman workshop. Um, he was from Detroit. So his name, he was Dr. Oh, Detroit. Okay. Anyway, we were in Thailand and we were going to score some opium. 
So we were going to get it all set up. It was really cool. And there was like too many people that knew about it because it really wasn't legal. And he snuck off. And I knew he was doing it without me, and because he he either had to what do it alone. What a bastard! He he could he couldn't <laughs> take me with him. I I I totally understand. But he came back and he he just told me he's like, oh my god, Colleen, I could just sit here and, and smoke opium in Thailand. Yeah. He was really glad he wasn't staying there. So like in hindsight, for me, I could have been a heroin addict if I'd smoked that opium. So I that might have been God looking out for me. That was. Yeah, I you know it's like I always say like I. I know there's so many spiritual things. Like, I know so many Buddhists who go to Thailand and they go on these retreats and there's so many great things about Thailand, but all I know about Thailand is opiates. You know, so it's like, I will probably... You're not going. I know. I'm, I'm just not going. Even if I have... Even when no. I... I don't want to say if. I want to say when. When I have 15 years clean and sober, I will still not go to Thailand. Because, damn, I like opiates. <laughs> I, I know. Well, that's like eggnog. One of my favorite things used to be... Bud's eggnog. I love Bud's brandy. eggnog. Oh, I have I've never had. Fridge. I've never. You do? Oh, we're having some. I've never had booze eggnog. So people are always like, oh, I loved eggnog. I'm like, well, I still drink eggnog. And then, and then we get into the conversation. And it turns out I didn't know eggnog could be a booze drink. Oh, I it just was love eggnog. Favorite. It's like melted ice cream. It was my favorite. And I would do like brandy and eggnog. And I would always gain five pounds around Christmas because Bud's eggnog was my favorite. I, I know your dad liked Bud's Oh, yeah. Eggnog. So we he used to talk about Bud's. He might even be the one who turned me on to that particular brand of eggnog. Yeah, he and I used to put it in our coffee instead of cream. Oh, Delish. I know. It's awesome. Makes me want to start drinking coffee again. <laughs> and I, I, I was five years sober before I could even look at Bud's. It's weird what triggers you. Wow. I could even I could even look at that. And and this, I have 11 and a half years sober, and this is the first time I have bought a carton of Bud's eggnog, and it's in the refrigerator, and I'm drinking it, and I'm okay. Five years ago, I could not have done that. Welcome I, back to Bud's eggnog. <laughs> I might have relapsed. No, that's not a relapse. That's a beautiful thing. Well, uh, we friend. will be back again tomorrow with Colleen. Um, our last show with Colleen of the week. It's been great. This has been really fun. And uh, tomorrow we are going to talk about it. Tomorrow on Radio Rehab is always the end of my run. So we're going to find out what the end of her run was. If you would like to email us, it's Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. That's G-O-T-O Productions.com. Call or text 415-496-9511. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab Dana. So uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Keep coming back. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. Is all my brain and body need Sex and drugs and rock and roll